Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. Welcome to the Art Detective Podcast with me, Dr. Yanina Ramirez. I'm an Oxford art historian, a broadcaster and a writer, and I'm your chief investigator of images. It's been very exciting launching season two of The Art Detective. I hope you enjoyed episode one, where we spoke to Ophelia Field live from Lenin Palace in the home of Sarah Churchill to discover some of the secrets that have informed that award-winning film, The Favourite. We are planning great things for season two, and it's all about giving you more. One of the things we are doing is we are launching a Patreon site where you can get all sorts of different extras unlocked, depending on how much or how little support you'd like to give us. If you go in, you can have a look by going to patreon.com slash artdetective, and you can decide you know, do you want free video exclusives? Do you want access to pre-sale tickets or maybe ad-free shows? That wonderful version of a podcast where somebody is not selling you books in between every five minutes of content. You can also get new hot off the press art detective merch. Yes, it's what everybody is wearing on the streets. <laughs> Find out more, go to patreon.com slash detective. Today's exciting. I am with Dr. Alexa Frost, who is the first, indeed, head archivist of Blenheim Palace. Now, the archives at Blenheim are extensive. They go back hundreds of years, but there's so many secrets in there. There's so many things that haven't been discovered. The day before we were due to record with Dr. Frost, she sent us a message to say, my goodness, I found some exciting stuff. And she was not lying. This is the most exciting reveal I think we've had on Art Detective. If you enjoy this, you can also catch up with part one, which is with Ophelia Field, author of The Favourite. And you can also go to facebook.com slash Ramirez to see our live stream that we did from Blenheim Palace. We spent a day filming, going behind the scenes, going into all the places where the tourists can't reach. To find out more about this remarkable woman, Sarah Churchill, and the art that surrounded her during her lifetime. I do hope you enjoy it. Follow me on Twitter, Dr. Yanina Ramirez, and please continue to support your brand shiny new Art Detective podcast. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 
Alexa, this is a personal joy to be with you. We are old friends. We go back Absolutely. many, many, many years. Too many to count. Too many <laughs> decades. But you have the most amazing job. You are the archivist of Blenheim Palace. That means you get your hands on the real nitty gritty detail of this incredible place. What's it like being the archivist? Um, it's exciting. It's a privilege. We discover new things on a daily basis. We're able to help in so many different ways, going back and looking at the restoration project. Can I then find the plans to see how it was then, how it can be in the future, how we can retain the heritage and, and build on projects? Yeah. Um, but also the history, the tangible history that's coming out under your fingertips. I mean, you tell me some of the exciting things that you find. And I know that today we're going to be looking at something you only found yesterday. Yesterday. Yes. It's all still fresh, it's all still exciting, isn't Absolutely. it? Because some of it isn't even fully documented, is it? No, we're probably about 80% park catalogued. So it's a matter of going back to basics, seeing what we've got, um, establishing the purpose of keeping it. Everything's kept, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it's looking in ways that we can use it now and in the future, mm-hmm. whether it's for researchers, whether it's to hands exhibitions or visitor experience, as I said, mm. with the restoration project, whether it's to support bringing collections back. Well, um, that's we're very interesting, much isn't a part, it? Uh, the archives are very much a part of, of those plans. And the new Duke, of course, he is very interested in that side of things, isn't he? Which is partly why we're in this space, we're in the library, beautiful room, one of my favourites yes, in the palace. I must admit it's my favourite too. It's Some great gems. Well, we're, we're both bibliophiles, aren't we? Yes. Uh, we're, we're surrounded by paintings. So what, what is this exhibition? What's going on here? So this exhibition is a selection of the new acquisitions. New um, acquisitions. That have come back to, to Blenheim. Of particular interest, I have to admit, is this one of Sarah yes. the Duchess of Marlborough. This is a coup, OK? Yes. So when I... First, I was talking to you about the favourite, the film, mm-hmm. the big, big fuss that's happening around it at the moment, all the excitement and the desire on the part of people to learn more about these three mm. main women, Anne, Abigail, but in the case of Blenheim, Sarah. Absolutely. And then this was one of these iconic images of her that that wasn't in Blenheim's collection. No. But as of this week, it is. I know. And, and I think this is, this is particularly exciting about our current project. It's now Sarah is back, back where she belongs. Yeah. Um, she's, she's sitting in her house, in her home, in a project that she invested money, emotion, effort, whether she was always in agreement with it, it was something that she felt very strongly about. Mm. She showed uh, her strength as a woman, her ability as a businesswoman, her determination, her commitment to her husband, her respect for the monarchy, and the disagreements that that arose within the political times that she was faced with, particularly relating to the funding well, of the spectacular building. Well, what's interesting is it's sort of it's it's her legacy. Mm. It's a testament to her. But she struggled through the build of Blenheim, didn't she? Yes. I mean, it was not easy. No. Am I right in thinking she sort of stayed, stayed in mainly a single room while it was being yeah building site? <laughs> she she spent a lot of the time away from 
um, the palace during the build in, in the early stages. She Later on, she would come and spend more time. She'd be here a few days on end, but she didn't live in the palace. Did she? Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, it, it would have looked terrible when it was being built. Everything's being... There's a lake going in, there's a bridge going in, there's various bits. It all wasn't a restoration Rambra. project, was it? It was, no, it was, it was going from, from ground zero. From ground, ground zero and um, the With family extremely didn't. grand plans. I mean, she got Vamber in... She, I mean, this is Wren, isn't it? So we're in, is this a section that was designed? Yeah. I think this section in the library was designed by Wren. So we've got the biggest, best art, art, architects of the 18th century mm. pooling all their efforts into making something that is palatial, something that is extraordinary. Yeah. I think that the idea that she's now sat here looking out over these magnificent gardens, my favourite part of the outdoor part of Blenheim is the water gardens. Oh, right, there. lovely. Um, but this, this painting, let's have a little look at it because... So exciting to be able to see it in the flesh. Mm. It was in a private collection, but it has been returned to be displayed mm -hmm. here in Blenheim. Yep. Um, what do you think looking at her? What do you think about Sarah, the person? I think there's a lady there that is very much in control, in command. Um, there's a certain pride in her. There's certainly the sense of power. I mean, look at the golden key. Um, that's indicative of of her status within the royal court and the key posts that she held from 1702. Look also onto the table, we've got the ducal's coronet. Yeah. She was a Duchess of Marlborough. She yeah. was not just a chambermaid, nothing of the sort. She had status, she had power in her own right, and she was rewarded for the work that she and her husband had done, their commitment to the country to the crown. Yeah, because I mean, we know about him, we know about John, and the fact that he was a great military leader, a great mm. strategist, won the Battle of Blenheim. Um, but in terms of her role, that key is absolutely central, isn't it? Because she was, key, am I right, keeper of the privy purse. Mm -hmm. And that would have meant that she had really close contact to the Queen, didn't mm -hmm. she? Mm -hmm. And so in a way, what this, the way that that's sort of put in the foreground, it's mm. sort of emphasising her, that's her role. Absolutely. I mean, on a physical, from a physical point of view, it gave her access um, to rooms, walking through the bedchambers, through the, the private rooms, through the state rooms. It covered everything. But the fact it's so prominent mm. in the picture it represents so much more than the physicality of being able to unlock a door. Look at look at the size it is compared to her hand. Look at the fact that it's gold. It is it is strong and it's beautiful and I think you're absolutely right. And, and prominently placed, as you say, the, the colour that, that the artist... So we should say, of course, it's uh, Godfrey Neller, mm -hmm. a Dutch painter, but sets up a big school in London, works with a number of apprentices, and was constant... He, not only was he portraitist to the king, mm -hmm. William at the time, yeah. but he does all these famous noble people, doesn't he? Um, seeing lots and lots of people every single day, so almost churning them out. But mm. this has got something special about it. Because of his use of colour, he has picked that, that key out. And what I find interesting about the key as well, Alexa, is this idea that, yeah, you're right, she's unlocking doors, you can go into the bedchamber, she can go into the private spaces, but this is about access to the monarch, isn't it? She's got something that everybody wants, which mm -hmm. is access to Anne. How's that relationship evolved, do you think, between the two of them as they've kind of grown up together? Well, of course, Sarah was friends with Princess Anne from when they were young. There are stories that they met um, when they were... She came into court with... She came into court Mary. with Mary of Moderna and she was then a maid of honour. 
over time that progressed, she became close to Queen Anne. They were all of a comparable age, really. Um, they would spend time together. They would do the pursuits that one, one did at the time, whether it was conversation or cards or, or music, mm. which in later life Sarah did, did admit was testing. It wasn't What's spending time with Anne. The, the experience of court in terms oh, yeah. of it being boring didn't sort of push her, it didn't, didn't always excite her. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, you can see a powerful, strong woman for her mm-hmm. time that I don't think would necessarily be out of place today, but it was no. 300 years before her time. But whatever her personal feelings for, she was respectful of her role of the monarchy. She carried on regardless. Yeah, but um, also then there's this bond that she gets with John where they're sort of propping each other up, aren't they? Because they're both young. Mm. What's he? He's 25, she's 15 mm. when they meet. Mm. And like you say, she was sort of tiring of the intricacies of court life. Mm. She was ready to be all about him, wasn't she? And a lot of Blenheim is a, a memorial to him, I think. Well, it, well, it's a monument. It was, it was a gift from the nation. Mm. Um, and as you can see from its magnificence, it's still standing now. Mm. Um, and I think that Sarah had reservations about, about John. There's, there's no, no secret about that. When they first met, she was in a world of courtiers and uh, women were treated as objects, so to speak. She was not going to be a part of that um, courtier world. She wanted John to marry her. Mm. She wasn't his mistress. She, she wasn't, wasn't going to, to be in. anybody's mistress. Mm. And she, she, she stuck to her. She stuck to her guns. The other thing that's interesting, I think, about the key as well, as keeper of the privy purse, didn't that mean that she had access to Anne's accounts, her money? Absolutely, right. absolutely. So um, Sarah was meticulous in uh, attention to detail and very, and very proud of, of taking on that role. For instance, she uh, made Queen Anne sign off the accounts, the, the servants and the tradesmen, and any, any exchange of money... They had to be signed for, they had to be accounted for. By so, the monarch? But that's unusual, isn't it? It hadn't been before her time. Wow. And it was a way of making sure that money wasn't embezzled. Mm. Um, yeah, that she's not thieving from the Queen or that it's not getting lost along the way. Mm. But, 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 you know, one of the things that's held against her is that she was a real penny pincher. And, and that you know, some of the letters say she didn't pay the builders of Blenheim, she didn't pay this, she didn't pay that... But that's not quite how you see it, is it? I think, it, I think it's a combination of things. What we have to remember about Sarah is um, that she didn't come from as much a secure financial background as some of the people that she was associated with. Mm. And she was very conscious that the, the family, whilst they were landed gentry as such they they didn't have so much she was she was cautious with her money she wanted to provide for her family she wanted the security to her her children she spent time marrying them to appropriate people not always for money sometimes making realization that that their happiness was as important as she was in her relationship with john Mm. but she she was a shrewd a shrewd businesswoman. Shrewd businesswoman in the modern sense of the world, mm. I think we'd say now, wouldn't we? But, but you, you're right. I think her background, didn't her dad go bankrupt as well? And so she sort of had a, 
a childhood anxiety, I suppose, about mm. financing. <laughs> exactly, and that, I think that's where that's where we're coming from. I mean, poverty is all is all relative, isn't it? Um, but being in that in that situation yeah. where you're then in a world of of splendour, of wealth in in the court of England, yeah. you yeah. are going to be more conscious and consider where where your money is going and by extension she cared deeply for the queen yes. on a personal level she wanted to make sure that when even as a princess as princess anne when they were younger and then certainly later when she was queen anne that there, there was no money going missing yeah she was looking after her interests mm, absolutely. I think that's that's the sort of the thing the element of pride you're saying here i mean you're right she, she would have probably come up against problems trying to give her lineage, mm-hmm. if you think of it as a sort of mm. Debrett's world. Mm. But um, in this case, she's wearing ermine, you know, she's dripping in velvet, she's got quite a simple smock, but she is oozing wealth. Mm. The coronet says it all. Um, and she is, she's in her role as Duchess, but she's in her role as close confidant of Anne at this stage. And she has spent years building up that confidence. They have. You know, they, they were friends with squabbles and quarrels. No, no denying that, but um, that's that's part of family life. When you're living closely with people, when you when you are good friends with people, escalated on account of the positions that they were both in. Yeah, quite quite probably. But I think that the intention to hurt was never there. When we reflect on Sarah's views of friendship, which we will do later, yeah, we'll see that the intentions were always for the best. To try and stay, remain friends and remain loyal to each other. To remain friends, for loyalty, for protection. Mm. And one of the things that Sarah was very, found very important um, was to be liked in terms of who she was, in terms of being accepted, in terms of doing the right thing, being that right person. And of friends, it was... If you're a good friend, you will be perhaps criticised. Mm. Yeah, I mean, mistakes. the Green Book on her told, children is pretty harsh. Told when you're doing well. Yeah. But is that not a sign of love? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think that, you know, what we've got with these two women as well, they're both married. Mm-hmm. They both are having children. They're both, I mean, poor old Anne, she's losing everyone. Yeah. Sarah is also having losses. Mm. And in that, this, this friendship is developing that is, is founded on a childhood affection, but mm-hmm. it's also founded on more than that. It's founded on sort of the well-being of them and everyone around them, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, they're actually having to look out, for, she's having to look out for John, mm-hmm. um, and she's having to look out for her relatives and the politicians around her. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, she's having to play kind of cautious game, but at the heart of it is genuine affection and love. Mm. I'm so excited to see what you're going to show me in the archives. Now, this is a huge coup. Absolutely delighted that I get to see this painting. Really chuffed. Delighted to be able to share it with you. It's so exciting. But you're going to take me now deep into the archives of Blenheim Palace. Absolutely. To see something absolutely brand spanking new. You found it yesterday? Uh, yes, it's a recent rediscovery. So let's, let's go and have a look. Let's see it. what we've got. This is detective work. This is your office space, isn't it? This is, it is. the archives. So yeah, we're welcome s- to Blenheim Archives. This is really exciting. This is where you're discovering things day by day. Yes. And what sort of things are in here then? What, what records have you got? So we've got a range... A range of papers. We've got land deeds, title deeds. Very important. We've <laughs> got uh, legal papers. We've got family papers. 
and we have maps and plans, manor court roles, estate ledgers, a, a whole host of things that tell a story about various stages of Blenheim's history. Fantastic. And within that, as we go through the cataloguing, we find more and more new, th- new things every day. So you are still in the process of cataloguing and we discoveries are, are being made. And I know, I know you because you've told me that you are going to show me something that's going to be very exciting that you found yesterday. So I think one of the most exciting things about my job is these kind of rediscoveries. They've been here, obviously, but the time to look through them mm. is so fantastic and so exciting because when you sit and you look at something, something may be named as one thing, have a look closer, see what it actually is. Oh, my goodness. This is the joy of archive work, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, what a gorgeous-looking marbled notebook. OK, at the moment, it looks beautiful. Beautiful, yep. lovely coloured marbling on the surface, but when did you find this? Turn a page. When did you actually um, notice? This was yesterday afternoon when I was preparing other exciting things. <laughs> So this is hot off the press. Okay. So what do we think so far? It's a very average looking, but very nicely bound, I'd say, what, 18th century notebook? Proper marbling, paper. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's not massively exciting yet, though. Let's take a look at the back. Okay. Oh, okay. Now that's more interesting. This is ink scribbles, it mm-hmm. looks like to me. I can certainly see a date. Go on, what's it say? So, the accounts of something can't quite read there. Queen Anne signed February the 1st, 1710-11, which were in the law written on the back of the book. Oh, my goodness. So, this is signed by... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Queen Anne. It is indeed. Wow. And, I mean, date-wise, this is crucial to the story of Sarah and Anne. Absolutely. So 1710, 1711, that is when it is changing. Yes. Things, oh my goodness. things have changed, and it won't be long before Sarah leaves court. But still, 
right to the end, Sarah's doing her job. She's making sure that everything is signed for, which was something that discussed before is new. All accounts had to be signed off by the Queen. Hang on, so, hang on. so are you telling me inside this there are accounts related to the Queen? Absolutely. How many was how, how, how many was spent? But um, I thought all of these records were elsewhere in the National Archives and in the Records Office. A, lo- and a lot of them are in the British Library in the establishments that you said, which is why it's particularly exciting to find this. Oh my god! Still here at Blenheim. Oh my goodness! Okay, come on, let's get stuck in. <gasps> right, and so so this is something that. Presumably, Sarah would have had responsibility for as her role of uh, in the Privy Purse? Yes. OK. That's, that's correct. Yes. So she's keeping a tally of things that are going out of the court, court coffers, mm-hmm. if you like, mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh, my goodness, look at these numbers. Oh, my gosh! That's... Hang on, I can read that. I have examined these accounts and... What's that say? Approve, Approve of them? Of them. And is that Anne? It is. Oh, it's, the, it's the Queen's signature. Yeah. Now, that, that is a discovery. That is uh, my, made yesterday. <laughs> this, is, this is, oh, come on, art detective listeners, this is, this is something else. By Her Majesty, all the way. Okay. Wow, I want to see more. I want to so see let's more. Have a look see more. At, let's have a look at the contents. And this was just um, in a box yeah. with other records? Or? Um, it, it is. We were aware that they were relating to the first Duchess. Uh-huh. It's a matter of actually going through page by page and seeing the contents of what we have right. and matching it against what we thought that we had. So you have other accounts here that, that Sarah kept for Blenheim or not particularly? Most of those are with the British Library at the moment, yeah. which gives the public access to them and to to go, go and find out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of her time when she was, for example, travelling to and from Blenheim during the build. Uh, her time in Windsor Lodge, um, Marlborough House, the build of, course, the build of that. Yeah. Uh, so we do, we do still... We do still have a few. Have a few of those. But, I mean, this is really something else. This is, this is <laughs> not only is it, you know, associated with Sarah, but this is actually coming from the court. This is, this is going to tell us what's going on in the court, in the court of the Queen Anne. Yeah, so here we've got quite large yeah. sums of money received. From the Exchequer. From the Exchequer on a monthly, on a monthly basis. Wow. I mean, we're talking... 2,000, 2,500, 2,500, 1,000, 4,000. So this is money coming in through taxes, presumably, or if it's coming in through the Exchequer, but to the, the court? The, the, these, these are allowances. Um, this, is, this is the sort of money that Queen Anne oh. had, to, had to deal with to pay for. For her court? For the next Oh, my things. goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> privy purse, right. So we're seeing references here, pa- uh, payments by the privy purse... Okay, so they're all received. That's all money in. Mm-hmm. And then this is presumably the start of money out. Yeah? Yes. Okay, yes, absolutely. And what have you found in here that's sort of made you go, oh, my goodness. I've just noticed that. To the mad Spaniard. <laughs> I need to know who the mad Spaniard is. Uh, so, so would I. An, an, an identified mad Spaniard. Um, with, he's getting with, £10. Pounds. With, with all due respect, he's earned his £10. Pounds. Uh, I, I couldn't honestly comment. I, I, I simply don't know. Um, and then we've got pensions which is, is sort of reasonable, what you'd expect, moving down and moving down. Yeah. And then we have to Mr Galliard for making an anthem on Thanksgiving Day. 
OK. And looking at the date range from here, we've got the 2nd of July to 1708 to the 1st of October. Right. So looking at the Thanksgiving, that would reasonable to assume that would have been August. Absolutely, yeah. On the Thanksgiving of the Udenard battle, the victory there. Oh, wow, OK. So now alarm bells are going off for me because something crucial happens, doesn't it? It did. Unfortunately, there is an increasing strain uh, in Sarah and Anne's friendship. This and is their seven, relationship. 1708, August time, on that, that, that celebration. Well, part of Sarah's responsibility was to uh, lay out the clothes quite, quite literally, make sure that the Queen had the right attire for the occasion. She carefully, it's not too surprisingly looking at these accounts, was very conscious of what money was spent. But she lay out particular jewels for this occasion. It oh, was yes, a celebration. It's back to me. Yes, it's the jewels that are the issue, aren't they? Yeah. <gasps> yes. So, unfortunately, on the day everything was laid out, they met, they got into the carriage, only to find that the Queen wasn't wearing the jewels she was expected. And, unfortunately, this sparked an argument uh-huh. between them which culminated in Sarah making a mistake, which she later regretted, um, to tell the Queen to be quiet, and it was overheard in public. Yes. Um, And recorded and reported, and it was a huge coup. She's told the Queen to shut up because they're arguing about wearing jewels. But that is a sign, isn't it, of her her proximity to the Queen, her closeness to the Queen. Absolutely. Wow. I can't believe this is a record that says for the making of an anthem. So... So this Mr. Galliard, presumably, wrote a piece of music, an anthem, that was going to be performed in the church that day, but we also know outside the church at this point, in the carriage, Anne and Sarah Mm. are having their legendary bust-up. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, Alexa. And just to move you on... Okay. If we look... It's so beautiful. This isn't her handwriting, though, is it? No, this isn't Sarah's hand. Okay, but it's a record. She supervises it's, It's her record. If we look further down here, we've got the 31st of December 1708, moving all the way down up to May 1709. Oh, it's Mr Gilead again, look. Yes. Um, He's his Christmas pension. (laughs) But as as we go down here... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a man to prison. Oh, out of prison. We notice something which I think is particularly (gasps) relevant. Given a jeweller on the Thanksgiving Day. Okay. This is a payment... To a jeweller mm-hmm. on the Thanksgiving day that we know they were arguing over jewellery. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So this is almost like a receipt of that that divisive necklace or jewels or whatever it was that Anne wouldn't wear. We can we can only but guess whether it was those wow. particular jewels that are documented here that have been paid for. <laughs> but which for were that day. the one for that day. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh! You must love your job. I, can't I mean, believe. it's so exciting on on a daily basis when you're rediscovering things. Um, everything seems to fall into place. The jigsaw yeah. pieces, yeah. when you least expect them, come together, and it makes sense of facts that we already know. It helps different interpretations of history, mm. different views about circumstances, and I think it 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 gives opportunities for different angles and every on. every every art historian every historian needs to return to archives to build up a picture mm. and this is the sort of nitty-gritty 
work where just suddenly the pieces come together but mm. but I think that I mean I just want to keep looking I want to see more and more and more because with every sentence you're getting a sense of court life you're getting a sense mm-hmm. of what's being bought mm-hmm. what they value who is in favor at any one time you know these people getting pensions and payments but but for me it's helping me understand Sarah too she is precise isn't she absolutely Con- quite controlling in this case or that that's one interpretation. Mm. Um, I would say her meticulous attention to detail is is quite wise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, controlled rather than controlling. Okay. Possibly. And every penny is listed, so she's doing Absolutely. a good job. She's yeah. keeping a tally at the bottom of every page. Yeah. This is the most extraordinary thing. I mean, there's still more detective work to be done, isn't there? Is yes. this recorded anywhere else? Is there? Is this it? Is this the only? account of this time we need Absolutely. to look more this, this this is where the excitement comes and falls into falls into place you can then use this information we can then work with different archives that hold similar information possibly already the same wow. possibly possibly not and in <laughs> that way by working together we can really get get to get to the nitty-gritty of it well i'm absolutely amazed i look there's a mad spaniard again <laughs> he's back he's back so this is really exciting but i know you promised me for this podcast another big reveal yes i can't i might yes. i've seen a portrait of her with the privy key which i never thought i'd get to see i've seen an account book with Anne queen Anne's signature in it surely surely you can't have any more surprises for me i do indeed and oh, here, no, this looks more like what I'm used to. This looks almost sort of manuscripty. We show a very different side of Sarah, which is why I thought it would be nice to bring it out to show you today. It's a nice binding. What's that made of? Is it just it's treated. Le- it's really hard, isn't it? It's mm. a wooden board. It's he- it's it's heavy, isn't it? Oh, look, handwriting of Sarah Duchess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I mean, it's one thing to go and see the film. It's another to be in the presence of Sarah's actual documents. Oh, wow. Now, as you can see, beautiful as this handwriting is and incredibly well-preserved, you can see the quality of the ink, even going onto onto the other pages. It's, I mean, this is the other thing, working with manuscripts. Um, The bite of ink um, is... it. It, when it looks goes down fine at first, what you're seeing is the bite of the page underneath coming through as well. Mm. But look at this, there's even smudges. Mm. So so hang on, what are these? These are, are these documents written by her? What is this book? Well, obviously, as you can see, the mm. handwriting is tricky to read. It goes on for, for 20, 20 pages. So I've got a transcript here that I'm going to to share with you. I can make out certain words, companions, Grecian, but it is, her handwriting is very, uh, oh look, happy, that's easy to read as well. But I'm so glad you've got a transcript because... And you've hit the nail on the head because what this book is about is Sarah's interpretations of happiness, of friendship, of melancholy brought together by detailed references to Socrates, to Aristotle, to Plato, to Seneca and, and other poets and philosophers, her take. 
Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Now, I know you're a classicist. I am. So and this is going to be Plutarch, I'm seeing all the names. But this is, this is incredible. So one of the things I love about studying the past and studying figures from the past is um, the idea that you try and get as close to the way their minds are working mm. as you possibly can. Mm. And I can't think of anything that would present me or you as sort of bibliophile academics yeah. then our notes our reactions to the things we're reading how we're feeling about them how they mm. make us feel so that's what we're in the presence of mm. this is sarah mm. laid bare it, it's awe inspiring um but i'm i'm biased because it's a, a, a field of interest um but i think everybody can get excited huh. by this because we are seeing a different side of sarah in that she was keen to justify herself she yeah. she was prepared to write a book about to justify her conduct uh mm. later later in life um but this is it's sort of more it's more personal okay. it doesn't necessarily have the tone of of yeah. being written to be read to being written to be to be published because she um, does publish I mean, but that's the other thing we, we she is a writer she mm -hmm. writes she publishes mm -hmm. she's popular um but this is almost like a work in progress a working out of thoughts and ideas then so tell yeah. me some of the bits that i'm looking at here so um what i found particularly interesting mm. is the way that she works through it she's talking in the first instance mm. about tranquility about peace of mind based on on Seneca and there have been letters where uh, Queen Anne has actually said oh I you know you're, you're interested in Seneca on, on tranquility T tell me more about his wealth tell me his attitudes towards wealth and and governing so oh, well, know, Anne, is asking and, Sarah. Anne is asking Sarah oh okay um, so she this. sees her as a sort of source of knowledge on these things so, she's educated on them so she does self Sarah is by and large self-educated and mm. that she acknowledged with her that having sons with her husband working um military campaigns overseas she needed to be a figure of authority to help educate them with the support wow. of of governors and that was probably kind of what sparked her interest in it and also when she left court she spent time reading Plato. She, her, her final interview with Queen Anne, after which she went off to Windsor Lodge yeah. and read Plato. It was it's how she relaxed, how, oh. she, how she coped. How, um, and and, the, and I mean, her this self is the 18th century. This is the time of classicism, romanticism. I mean, we can mm. talk about Pope, of course, Pope mm -hmm. knew Sarah. Yes. This is that world. This is mm. the sort of Arcadian you know, idyll, isn't it? And they're immersing themselves in ancient li literature. Mm. They're sort of appearing to be classically educated. Mm. Mm. And the fact that mm. Sarah is, is incredible. I'm really interested. I mean, I I'm making out words philosopher, mm -hmm. um, misery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is passionate stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what's, what's key to this is um, her views about friendship. Okay. And um, there is couple of sections that I think are worth noting uh -huh. um, and she says there is nothing one should regard so much in this life as the service of one's friends the love of truth and honesty and improvement of one's understanding 
which lasts whether it be brought about thinking by help of books, by observation, by pleasure of conversation, will always contribute more to one's happiness than rich and honour. And, and she goes on, paraphrasing, quoting, picking bits from, philo- from philosophers, forming her, forming her own opinion. Wow. But it is in here that she is clear that the best of friends, the closest true friendships on which love is, is based mm. and... I believe she's she's arguing that happiness kind of depends mm. on on this other is to be oneself mm. to take the good with the bad mm. to pull your friends up when they make a mistake yeah and from there if we carefully turn it over she writes for the first 20 pages mm. the rest of it Oh, wow, OK, so you flipped it book. 180 that way. Yeah. That's upside down now. It is upside down. OK. Making use of paper. <laughs> ah. We then look, and she continues on, about views of princes. <laughs> OK. That text that she's copied. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. She's crossing bits out. This is her handwriting. But this, this is, is my favourite part of the book. OK. It's, it's only a couple of lines. It is. What, right in... Letters of gold in something, the portal of the temples? Upon the portal of the temples of Delphos. Delphos? Mm-hmm. Know there, thyself and know nothing too much. Oh, wow. Know thyself and nothing and know nothing too much. There you go. A strong, a powerful, sensitive, well-thought-through woman who cares. My gosh. Oh, wow. So in this whole exploration of trying to understand Sarah, trying to understand the person she is, I think you've just found one sentence that, for me, has just hit me straight in the heart. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's so exciting. I'm so glad you shared it with me. And to share it with the art detective listeners as well. So, I mean, we'll hopefully be able to take a couple of photos to share with them, to look up. Um, I I can't believe this. If people want to find out more about Sarah, what should they do? How can they... Can they come to Blenheim? Can they explore the place that she's set up? Blenheim is open to members of the public. They're, they're, they're always welcome. Um, we like to share our treasures with new exhibitions and exciting things, the portraits that we looked at previously. Yeah. And um, the archives are closed to uh, the public. Uh, by and large, specific research inquiries can be answered. I'm more than happy to look into research, direct people to places where I don't have the answers, and in certain circumstances, researchers can look at the original material, or depending on the sensitivity Oh my gosh, but that's why it's such a coup. But the coup for the Art Detective listeners to be able to get into these archives that that is just so exciting. Um, Yes, Blenheim is amazing. You're amazing. The work you're doing here is incredible. I could I could spend months pouring through these with you but for now I just want to say Dr Alexa Frost Archivist of Blending Palace thank you thank you Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.